We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory Podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. It's a live episode of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. Member FDIC, uh, it's a freezing cold game uh, episode of this show as well. Massey Lane, you are in the warmest climate possible. It's still under 40, isn't it? Buddy, what are you talking about? It is cold as heck here. It is 38 degrees. Stuff is about to freeze. Like, I... Oh, about this is cold. Oh, no. Yeah, listen, if there's a strong, you know, like cold gust that comes in, like it might get below freezing. When I wake up tomorrow, there might be some water bowls for the animals frozen. So, like, you know, we we don't need to talk about how I'm in some kind of warm climate or something. It is frigid here. Yeah, um, it's going to be even more frigid when the Chiefs play the Seattle Seahawks this weekend. What we're, we're talking about 10 degrees with a worse wind chill like. I realize that there are people from other areas of the country that are probably listening to this right now and going, 10, we'd kill for 10 right now. But that's going to be cold. That's going to be a cold football game. Two teams, uh, Seattle doesn't see that kind of cold either. So uh, two teams that aren't used to that level of cold in a football game that uh, is very important for both of them to keep pace here. So it'll be really interesting. It's negative seven yards. Or negative seven degrees. Uh, seven yards. Well, I was gonna Chris say Chris Jones what, what, get a sack. I was gonna say I was I was setting up a joke, uh, but I you have, nailed it. I have Christmas brain clearly. Uh, I was gonna I think, say that, that would be my. I, I, I think you misplaced the hold on that one, Kent. Yeah. Think, uh, oh, we're going there too. Well, <laughs> hey, yeah, negative <laughs> negative seven yards is what you lose if you. Uh, if you fumble a punt there. But everybody, thanks for watching. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Really appreciate everybody it's the game preview edition that means three storylines on offense three storylines on defense and we start with the offense uh the the chiefs are gonna be playing the seattle seahawks 
the coverage schemes may not be everything that you're all familiar with in Seattle, right, Matthew? Listen, this this isn't your your dad's Seattle Seahawks, okay? Like they all of a sudden this year they have undergone quite the uh, the schematic change. They no longer run the Pete Carroll cover three. It's just not there at all. They run a very Vic Fangio style. Uh, defensive approach now and there's been there's been quite the learning curve with it um they have had some ups and the downs through it they have a lot of young players in the secondary so that definitely plays a role but I think everybody going into like playing the Seattle Seahawks if you're not somebody that plays them you know if you're not in their same division you're just assuming physical corners cover three on the outside they're going to be you know this gonna be the same thing they've been doing for the past decade plus and that's just not the case they are running very strict pretty much a straight up Vic Fangio style defense a lot of too high a lot of late rotations after the snap. They're going to be giving you a lot of quarters looks, a lot of cover six type stuff. So that's the quarter, quarter half. Like they are going to mix up the back end coverage, but it's not going to be just some static kind of cover three where they're just getting super physical and trying to beat you up. The thing is though, they have not quite nailed it down yet, right? There's a, there's a <laughs> shift in the, the, what they're trying to do, their mentality, but sometimes they'll have coverage busts and worse than coverage busts. Their run fits from this new defense whoa very much yeah. bad yeah very much bad but clint hurt has brought in like a, a massive change it really is kind of fun to watch what he puts out there i mean if you just sit down and watch obviously past few weeks they haven't played you know some some offenses that are really going to threaten you down the field a little bit maybe a little more run heavy offenses so a lot of those are fangio spinning buzzing a safety down into you know the high hole or even the low hole trying to stack the box a little bit but you're seeing some of that you know that two robber look that steve spagnolo also likes to do where you got both of the safeties up here you rotate one down in the high hole while the slot comes up app you know to get into two high looks they're getting creative. It's like he's he's taking all that Fangio stuff. He's taking some stuff from some other coordinators around the league. And when you face a defense that has that kind of coverage and that kind of ability to play a little bit of everything, even if it's still not all the way ironed out, it makes some of your option routes and adjustments on the fly a little bit more difficult. I think we've seen over the past, you know, over this season here, obviously Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes are mostly on the same page. You have an occasional error where a guy going zigs when he should have dagged, you know, whatever. Those two are largely on the same page. We've seen Juju Smith-Schuster not exactly in the same page with some of these other things. We saw last week Marquez Valdez-Scantling decides that he's going to take the, the route a little more vertical, runs more of a corner route. Patrick Mahomes throws more of a deep out route. And so there are instances where we're seeing that there's still an adjustment period with all this and adjusting to what each other wants and what each other is seeing in the coverages. If you've got a coverage scheme that's going to shift and change as much as the Seattle Seahawks have, even if it's not run perfectly, it does. It creates that little bit more of confusion in your route combinations, in what you're doing, and I, you know, may force Patrick Mahomes to hold the ball a little bit longer, a little more miscommunication. So I'm looking for that a little bit because it's going to be a test from that perspective to see if the receivers and the quarterback are on the same page. I think something just interesting personnel-wise with this is like a lot of the usual suspects from former Seahawks defenses still exist on this roster, even though there has been some schematic shift. And the funny thing is, everybody said Tariq Woolen was the most Seahawks corner ever. He's still the most Seahawks corner ever, even though they are pivoting away a little bit from what they have done historically there in Seattle. 
And speaking of some guys that uh that are there to rush the passer, there's some there's some lighter edge rushers there, the likes of uh Bruce Irvin, Daryl Taylor, uh Uchenna Nuosa. There's a youngster named Bo- Boye Mafe, uh, who got a lot of run here in Kansas City. He's a little denser than some of these other guys, but just you know, these are some interesting speed rushers that could present some some challenges there, Matthew. And that's another thing with the Seahawks. Davis not transitioned fully to a three, four. Cause if you watch them, you're going to see them essentially with four down defensive linemen all the time, because that's what the NFL has gone to. However, when they do go into base, it is now a three, four. So that gives you space to have some of these lighter edge rushers, guys like in Wosu or finding a spot for Bruce Irvin to still fit out there. Daryl Taylor, whoever it may be, you will. It's amazing what? that he's still it's just amazing right. that Bruce Irving's still, still around. productive. Yeah, I know it's just crazy. Right. So this shift, like it allows them to field a couple lighter, you know, outside edge rusher type guys. And that way, when you go into base, you can't just bully them by running the ball at them because they are going to be pulled up off the line of scrimmage. They'll be protected if teams try to go in base. So what that means is they are able to play these speed rushers a lot. What is something the Chiefs have been woefully bad at? Blocking speed rushers. So Uchenna and Wosu, the Chiefs are familiar with him. You know, coming from the Chargers, he's had some good games against the Chiefs, actually. And now all of a sudden, he's the Seahawks' leading pass rusher with nine sacks on the year. He's going to be getting a lot of pass rush reps. He's very explosive. He's very bendy around the edge. You pair him, especially when Daryl Taylor's in there. They have a lot of burst. They have the ability to get upfield and eat up ground on guys like Wiley and Orlando Brown Jr., who aren't always the best at getting deep in their pass sets that aren't the best about pushing guys up around the arc. So it's not the most dangerous pass rush the Chiefs are going to see for the entire season or even down the stretch here. But boy, it might be a pretty rough matchup for them because it it might be the most just pure speed rushers they're going to see until they get to the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And now that that means that if you lean on them a little bit in the run game, you should be able to displace them. You know, you should be able to win with power in some of those regards. But when it gets into some of these inevitable third and longs, I mean, ideally the Chiefs never see a third and long, but inevitably when they get to a third and long, you're going to have those guys that are just going to be teeing off. Like they're going to be targeting nine yards, trying to turn the corners on these offensive tackles that haven't been able to do a good job of not allowing players to do that. So I fully expect that we're going to see a lot of those. We're going to be see some pressures up, you know, on the outside there. Luckily there's not a ton on the interior from the Seahawks. Shelby Harris is in the middle there. I know chiefs fans are very familiar with him, but after that, there's not a ton of interior juice. You got guys like Quentin Jefferson, Davion Nixon, Puna Ford, even LJ Collier, I guess, technically will rush some on Put the some inside. Put some respect on LJ Collier's I, name. Technically, you know, hey, yeah. <laughs> technically, he's going to do that. By the way, Chiefs won that trade. Absolutely won that trade. Um, no, you're going to see some of those guys, but they don't instill fear. And with the Chiefs' interior offensive line the way that it is, obviously a strength there, those guys should be able to help those guys. Maybe you can, you know, maybe Andy Heck has something in his up his sleeve where it's like, hey, listen, get out quick. You know, get up the arc quickly. You know, do what you can do. Use that length. Just try and push them to 10, 11, 12. Don't worry about checking inside this week. We got you. We're going to shift help that way. You guys focus on handling the speed rushers up the arc, and maybe they'll be able to handle them a little bit better than we've seen them handle speed rushers so far this year. You know, like there's a lot of talk about the statistics uh, about, you know, pressures allowed and Andrew Wiley and, and Orlando Brown Jr. being up there in the, on those lists. And 
Like they're they they haven't been good. Don't get me wrong. Like a little bit of that falls on Mahomes too. Just the stylistically, there are some times where he's putting himself into some pressure at times. Uh, I'm going to be interested to see how he navigates this pocket with you know the deep rush. You know, you're hoping to wash these guys up the arc. These outside rushers, or you know, the the tackles are going to be hoping to you know wash Rashi's uh, outside rushers up the arc, and you know how that interior responds, but also how Mahomes responds structurally within that pocket. So you know. It, I think there's been moments in games where he's been better about it than others. Um, you know, he's not going to be able to, I don't know if he's going to be able to get as deep as he desires this week. Cause I think he could run himself into some trouble this week. Uh, if he does elect to do that, you know, you talked a little bit about the running game, uh, Craig, and I, you know, I agree like, Hey, run on these guys a little bit, see what happens. But I'm kind of curious. This is the storyline for me. I'm really curious about the running back rotation. Uh, just because you saw, you saw yeah, Isaiah Pacheco getting a little bit of trouble. There was some issues there last week, uh, and uh, it wound up being Jarek McKinnon closing the game out. I'm curious if there is a shift as the season comes along or if they're going to continue to try to give Isaiah Pacheco opportunities to, to gain an, you know gain more confidence. I'm, I'm just fascinated what the rotation is going to wind up looking like this week in response to what we saw against the Houston Texans. Well, and so we talked, you know, theoretically about how switching to this three, four protects some of these lighter defensive ends for the Seahawks at eh, that doesn't work though. When you have to play in your nickel package, when you're no longer getting to play in base to protect them, that doesn't work. And so, I mean, here's the last, what, six games for the Seahawks and what they've given up, uh, rushing 122, 161, 283, 171, 223, 170. That's a lot of yards on the ground. Like this defense is struggling to stop the run right now. They really are. And the Chiefs, while not like a, a ground and pound, going to grind it out kind of team, they have proven over the past few weeks that if you're going to give them space, they they are capable of taking it, and they've been willing to take it here down the stretch. They've been willing to go out there and hand the ball off to Isaiah Pacheco, hand the ball off to Jet McKinnon plenty, and just kind of see what they can do. And the, the one-two punch has been good. When one guy's not clicking, when the zone runs aren't working, and McKinnon can't find creases to get through – Guess who can just run downhill into a brick wall over and over again? Isaiah Pacheco. And when there is, you know, when that brick wall is fighting back, when that brick wall is not giving, guess who can go out there and start to stretch the defense out a little bit and find those creases? Jet McKinnon. So the Chiefs' rotation's working really well. I do think it is worth keeping our eye on, though. Does Pacheco continue to struggle in uh, Plitz pickup and the pass protection? There's been some pretty big whiffs this year that have been a big issue, and that's fine. Jet McKinnon is here for that reason, but I know the Chiefs. I know Andy Reid. He doesn't want to put a guy out there that he doesn't tr trust in pass protection because it limits what he can do. It limits his play sheet, and he really doesn't want to do that. So hopefully we start to see a little bit of improvement in picking up some of those calls so that that rotation gets a little bit more 50-50 for those guys. You're muted, Craig. Yeah, I bet it was a really. I bet it was a really good point, though. It was. A, like, it was a fantastic yeah. point that I had. All right, right so here. rewind to um, try again. No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Seahawks giving up 4.9 yards per carry. Uh, Chiefs have been absolutely killing it on the ground lately. It doesn't matter who it's been. Like these guys have said, I fully expect that we are going to see, especially with. Maybe some odd front looks, especially if they do get a little bit more into base. I, you know, the Seahawks do like to counter 12, even with some lighter guys on the field with 
base defense. Not everybody does that. Uh, and maybe Travis Kelsey will make them treat it a little bit differently. We'll see. But if they get into some of these 12 looks, they see some of that 3-4 defense. Maybe they see some odd front looks. That's tended to lead to more gap scheme runs. And that's tended to be Isaiah Pacheco's bread and butter. I can see the Chiefs maybe leaning a little heavily on 12 personnel, especially since it sounds like Blake Bell, after being activated back to practice with Jody Fortson, looking like a, you know that it's not going to work this weekend. Blake Bell being activated back to practice, now all of a sudden he's probably going to be active, promoted to the active roster off of an IR. That means that they feel comfortable being in 12 personnel more. They want that extra tight end on the roster if Jody Fortson can't go. So I fully expect that we are going to see a lot more in-line tight end work. We're going to see a lot more heavy personnel out of the Chiefs than maybe we do. And by a lot more, still not that much, but a lot more. And then a lot more gap scheme, power run, go downhill, lean on these lighter guys, try and blow open some bigger holes, and have Isaiah Pacheco running into Jordan Brooks, running into Quandre Diggs, running into the secondary a little bit more there because we've seen him be effective in that exact role. I fully expect that to be the case this week. I think they need to lean on Isaiah Pacheco and give him more opportunities as the season goes on. And maybe it's not necessarily a representation of the of what the rotation will look like during the playoffs, but they got to get they got to get Jarek McKinnon to the finish line. Because this is a guy that has been off injured, he's on the wrong side of 30, he's playing fantastic football, but they've really got to be mindful of his load management a little bit here. And like leaning on him, I think he's I think you're going to see him in a big big way uh when 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 it comes to the most crucial time of the year but i just i i still think that they need to instill some confidence in isaiah pacheco have him ready because also like again like we've talked about this is kind of a, a, a thin group in some ways just because you've got to be mindful of the injury history of this group and i think you know, you're seeing hey they've got to really trust a, a a rookie running back and they're trying to put more and more trust in a rookie running back here i mean that necessarily that isn't necessarily the you know the right thing to do uh you know if if you've got op if you've got options like a Jarek McKinnon and so I, I think this team wants to lean on that guy but I, I they've also got to be really really mindful of his injury history just because like he's he's struggled to stay healthy over the course of his entire career and there's been times where his you know his injury report sound like head shoulders knees and toes like just everything you know so it's just something you got to be really careful of you're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but I've got to tell you about our friends at Liquid Death. And by now, you know that those strange tall boys in the bottled water section, there's not actually beer. It's a uh, mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. It's a crazy new water brand. Cans look wild. I've got one right here. You know I've already got the severed lime with me. One of my favorite flavors. My favorite flavor, actually, of the Liquid Death. It comes in uh, de several different flavors if you want the sparkling water, the still water. It's all great. But why is it called Liquid Death? Well, it'll brutally murder your thirst. That's why. And their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are here to bring death to plastic pollution. I love to see that. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to kill plastic pollution as well. Here's what you got to do. You got to go to liquiddeath.com slash KCSN to use their store locator tool, or you can go uh, find Liquid Death at your Target, Walmart, 7-Eleven, or again, go to liquiddeath.com slash KCSN, find a store locator tool, use that, and that's liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. 
Let's get back to the show. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button if you are uh, watching, listening to this show. Shout out Liquid Death uh, for for their support of the channel. Because, uh, yeah, sometimes sometimes people screw up like me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you you should have just let it go, Craig. I'm getting roasted here in the private chat for this show. You guys, should see, <laughs> Some of y'all should see. Uh, you don't want to see it. Actually, you don't want to see it. You don't want to see it. I prefer you don't see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very vicious. Uh, players I'll watch. leak it to the highest bidder. Ooh. All right. Donate Solo KC <laughs> raffle. Right That's going to be a song to say. It's going to be a Solo KC raffle. <laughs> Transcripts. Well, KC's Craig, out. who's going to be the soul of the KC Chiefs offense this weekend? I'm so glad that you asked, Matthew Lane. Fantastic transition. I'm going with MVS this week. Um, MVS has been kind of quiet a little bit over the past two weeks. They hadn't been able to hit him downfield, not for lack of trying. Uh, I think everybody remembers a big, long play that he had against the Cincinnati Bengals, but there were other opportunities, other targets that he saw that he wasn't able to bring in on some of these deeper things. Now he's going up against Tariq Woolen. You've got length against length. You've got some speed against speed. This is a really good matchup when those two will see each other on that side of the field. If MVS can have a big day, when they find those opportunities to hit him deep, if he can have a big day, then that means that he is you know, basically going to be equivalent to the MVP of this game because he's beating up on the best corner that the Seahawks will have, especially if Quandre Jiggs is having to pay him any extra attention that's going to give Travis Kelsey more time in the middle of the field. Juju Smith-Schuster, more time in the middle of the field. MVS is one of the few guys that can actually give Tariq Woolen a little bit of a challenge on the outside for this Chiefs offense because of his ability to win at the catch point, his ability to go up and get stuff, and his ability to get vertical. I'm going to see all three of those elements this week, so MVS is my guy to watch. 
for me, I'm going to go with the four-time Pro Bowler, Orlando Brown Jr. Coming off of the big, the big announcement that he made the Pro Bowl. Um, First of all, a lot, lot of people talking, very confused about how Orlando Brown Jr. got into the Pro Bowl. But let me shed a little bit of light on how this works. Um, no, you, the fans, did not vote for Orlando Brown Jr. <laughs> but guess who did? The players that play against him and the coaches that coach against him did, in fact, vote for him. In fact, since none of you voted for him to be in the Pro Bowl, that means even more of them voted for him to be in the Pro Bowl. So that lets you know what the NFL thinks of Orlando Brown Jr., not just the fans that want to talk about how many pressures he's given up. That said, this game, he can't give up a lot of pressures because he's going up against a terrible matchup for him. We already talked about it a little bit. I think coming off of this big announcement, you know, like it, it probably feels good for him to get that acknowledgement for the Pro Bowl. I know we can sit here and say Pro Bowls don't matter. and They don't, but it does matter to the players. It does matter when they're acknowledged, and especially they're not dumb. He knows that a lot of fans probably aren't voting for him, right? I mean, like he's he's got to have some level of social media cue or someone that tells him about it. He knows where the majority of these votes are coming from. That has to feel good. So hopefully he's riding high, he's confident, and he goes out there and wants to showcase why he's deserving. And this would be a perfect time for him to have you know his best game of the of the year or one of his best games, just showcasing that he can keep up with these fast edge rushers. So I got my eyes on OBJ for this one. Sounds like Blake Bell will be playing and making his season debut for the Chiefs this week. And he's my player to watch. I'm just excited to see him back in the mix. He's the best inline blocking tight end that this football team has. Craig mentioned maybe uh, being able to exploit the Seahawks in 12 personnel a little bit. Well, uh, Blake Bell could be a guy that could absolutely help them do that and achieve that. Hey, and the QB sneaks might be back in a better way because I'm just saying Noah Gray did fine. Didn't look as comfortable uh, doing that. So I'm curious to see if they try to get him involved in the blocking game a little bit more. If it eats into someone like Noah Gray snaps a little bit, who's been playing a little bit more there and like, and has, you know, has, he's performed admirably in 12 personnel as a blocker. I mean, he's, 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 I think he's gotten better, but I think Noah Gray's a better, or I think uh, Blake Bell's a better blocker. So let's see, uh, let's see his addition into this offense, see what happens. All right. Defense time. Geno, Geno Smith. Having an outstanding year. Pro bowler, Geno Smith. So well-deserved. He's been playing awesome. How he does against the Blitz could be a determining factor in how this Chief fence performs, though, Matthew. Yes. Yeah, like most teams that play the Chiefs, how well that quarterback can handle the Blitz really depends a lot on what the Chiefs and Steve Spagnuolo can do, right? You go back <laughs> through and look at some of the Chiefs' performances when they go up against quarterbacks that don't perform well versus the blitz they tend to have a little bit more success not just because the blitz works but also because it allows spagnola to keep them off off key that keeps them out of rhythm when you go and see the teams that the blitz doesn't work as well against or it's just not working that day it gets a little bit dicier so yeah against geno smith and the seahawks it'll be interesting the seahawks offensive line has been playing relatively well this year um you know there's a lot of young guys so there's ups and downs there's inconsistencies but they have a quality front five, so therefore they can go out, they can block a four-man pass rush pretty well most of the time. You might be pressured into sending some extra guys at them. I don't. Geno Smith has been great this year. I wouldn't say that he is a uh, Joe Burrow-level processor. So yes, you can catch Geno Smith slipping a little bit with the blitz. You can get home on Geno Smith and and get some pressure on him. But he, he's a dog. He's got a little bit of a little bit of that dog in him. So he's he's rolling through it. 
Yeah, I, I think it's interesting to look at the way that he has really handled things. His completion percentage over expected this year is leading the NFL. Like It really is. Part of that is because he's under pressure a lot he's escaping things that in, that you know reduces the the expected completion percentage and he's throwing some contested balls to guys like DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Noah Fant. Tyler Lockett's not out there this week. Noah Fant might not be out there this week. DK's out there, but he's going out there without some of his weapons, some of his real safety valves in this regard. And when he has been blitzed this season, the Seahawks are 26th in the NFL in EPA for a drop back there. That is bad. That is really, really bad. And the games that Geno Smith has been at his worst, his five lowest yardage totals have come against teams that are in the top 10 in blitz percentage, including one against the Arizona Cardinals where they got five sacks and he was just constantly under barrage. Didn't know really what to do with himself there. So, I fully expect after a couple of weeks of Steve Spagnuolo not really bringing a ton of heat, like it, it hasn't been some of the ways that we've seen him pressure early on this year, last year, he's been more reliant on the four-man rush as of late. This is the week to ratchet it up. The The weapons are hurt. Kenneth Walker's not out there. You don't, you don't have Tyler Lockett. You might not see Noah Fant. The weapons aren't of the same quality. You can get away with playing a little more single high, playing guys in the box, or taking a few more risks by having one less player in coverage because there's not such elite weapons that are going to be out there and really beating you up. And if you can get Geno off the spot, he makes mistakes. He likes, loves still to throw across his body into the middle of the field. Bring the blitz, especially when they've got some of these designed rollouts that they've really been leaning on a lot lately. Bring the blitz, force him to make mistakes, and catch the ball when you get your hands on it in the secondary. You talk about, you know, maybe being a, a little bit more aggressive with the blitz. You can also for, force your hots and sights to guys that maybe you aren't uh, as on the same page as Geno Smith, too. You know, and so, like, that's something you can kind of, as you get a little bit thinned out, you know, sometimes sometimes the, fa- the, the, <laughs> the blitz adjustments, let's just throw fades. Let's throw vertically to Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett's not going to play. DK Metcalf, still probably going to have to worry about that guy a little bit, I think. I would anticipate smidge. maybe just a smidge. But I mean, you know, I, do you trust you? Do you trust the Quan Treadwell having to make side adjustments? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I do. Derek Young's getting some run lately. Uh, he actually, I'm excited for Derek Young actually though. So shout out him. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I uh, that's just just one thing you gotta you gotta think about there. Third downs, third and long specifically. Can this team get off the field, Matthew? Nope. Okay, next. <laughs> Uh, I mean, like, what what hope is there, right? Like, we've seen this go from the, the the Bills, the Bengals, the Broncos, the Texans. Doesn't matter who they go up against. Third and long is not a good spot for the Chiefs right now, which is weird because it's a team that should be built around getting off the field in third and long. Given you know they should be playing from a lead, expecting stuff like that, yada yada. That has not been the case. Um, thankfully, the Seattle Seahawks are a team that likes to get a little risky on early down. So maybe they'll throw an incomplete pass on first and 10. Maybe they will Maybe they will give you plenty of opportunities in third and long. You know, they're not a good rushing team. The Geno Smith is not, is not the best first down passer in the league so far this year. Maybe you will get stuck in a lot of third and longs, get some, get some practice at doing it. So when you get into the playoffs, you become situationally a little bit better at it. 
We did mention kind of the get out of jail free card, the the fades and stuff up the sidelines. That hasn't been as much with the Seahawks do this year. Actually, without Russell Wilson, they're like, hey, maybe we shouldn't throw those low percentage throws as much. Instead, <laughs> let's throw deep crossers. Let's throw stuff across the middle of the field. And Geno Smith, oddly, is a lot better than Russell Wilson at them. So you do have to be ready, prepared to defend the middle of the field, especially on third and long. They really do like their deep scissor concepts. They do like to get guys crossing the middle of the field with DK Metcalf running off the safety. So that is something to keep an eye out for, especially in those situations. I think a lot of pressure is going to be put on the middle of the field Chiefs pass defense again, and that <laughs> usually goes well for them. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. I mean, yeah, that's it, it. It is scary now that this is a big storyline. I wrote about it two weeks ago about third and longs and how bad they've been at getting off the field and you know coming up with sacks, coming up with stops. It has only gotten worse since then. I mean, last week against the putrid Houston Texans offense, the Chiefs allowed four plays of third and eight or longer to convert only one of those was a penalty and yes it is the Darius Harris one that he's got a handful of jersey the one that was very obviously a penalty not one of the ones that Carl Cheffers decided he was just going to call anyway so this has been a problem all year long and especially against good offenses and the Seahawks have largely been a good offense, not lately, but over the course of this year, they have been a pretty good offense. Allowing teams like that to build momentum, not getting off the field, allows them, like Maddie said, to take more risks on early downs because they're not afraid of getting behind the sticks. You have to make teams like this pay. You built this for this reason. You've got all these guys in coverage. You're trying to run a shifting coverage scheme. You've added a whole bunch of assets along the defensive line. This has to get off the field on third and six or more. Just period. Has to. It's done. Because at this point, we are now going into the end of de December, early January, now going into the playoffs. And if you can't get off the field against the Houston Texans, the Denver Broncos, a very, very handicapped Seattle Seahawks team because they don't have some of their best weapons at their available at their disposal, then there's going to be a major problem against the Cincinnati Bengals, against the Buffalo Bills, against the Miami Dolphins, any number of teams that they will see in the AFC. 
This has to improve. This is the perfect time to try and do it, especially against a team that is susceptible to the blitz. So bring it, get the stops this week, and start to build some confidence going into next week. Hey, thanks to everybody watching right now. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Helps us grow the channel. Leave a five-star review, please, if you wouldn't mind. Helps us grow the channel. All that good stuff. So last week, the Chiefs played one of the uh, loosest with the football teams in the NFL. Uh, The Houston Texans, Texans are second in giveaways in the NFL. This week, the Chiefs are playing the seventh worst team at giving away the football. Uh, last week, the Chiefs lost the, the turnover differential game yet again, continuing to be one of the worst teams uh, in that statistic. And they're playing a team that is really bad about giving away the football. Can they do it this week? Like, like they're, they're running out of chances to prove it. <laughs> running out of chances to prove it. And this is just yet another opportunity for this team to try to turn over. I think Geno Smith will put the ball at risk a little bit. Kenneth Walker will see if he plays. He hasn't put the ball on the ground yet, but a lot of other Seahawks have. So we'll see if some of these guys that are loose with the football on the ground or Geno Smith can turn the ball over. Let's find out, Matthew. You went off the teleprompter, um, and it started me off. You You changed course. You changed course here. This is not what our last point was supposed to be. That's fine. We can talk about the Seahawks turnover proneness. And so, yeah, the the Seattle Seahawks turnovers are essentially the exact same thing as the Chiefs. A lot of fumbles, more interceptions than you'd like, but really it's just a lot of fumbles. And that's something you can't bank on. So, you know, being thrown completely under the bus about this third point not being what we discussed prior to the show. Uh, the turnover, it, it will be something. This I, I am with you. I like where your head is at here. The Chiefs were not able to capitalize on the Houston Texans' ability to uh, give the defenses a lot of turnover opportunities. They didn't get one going until overtime. Can they do better against the Seahawks? Geno Smith thinks he's better, and he is better than Davis Mills. He will put the ball out there in harm's way a little bit more frequently. He will try to make plays happen, so there will be more chances for the secondary to make plays on the ball. The problem is when you start trying to hunt for turnovers, that is where you can give up a big play. The Chiefs just have proven they're not good at hunting for turnovers. They're not good at making them happen. Do they start to get a little overzealous? Do they start to get a little too greedy and start giving up the big play? I think this game, I don't know if it's like the final chance or some kind of tipping point. I think they've proven they can win without winning the turnover margin. Oddly enough, that they're like the one team in the history of the NFL. They can do it pretty well, but... uh <laughs> You know, it would be nice to get a little bit of help from the defensive side of the ball on that point. I I would I would like to cede my time to hear what Maddie thought the third point would be. Like I, at this point, like you guys covered turnovers, I I can continue to cover turnovers. They're not doing a good job, and then after the offense turns over the ball, they're doing an even worse job at preventing the opposing offense from you know scoring touchdowns. So, Maddie, what was the third point that you thought it was going to be? Right. So. The Seattle Seahawks um, haven't run the ball very well for a couple weeks now. And the last time their offense was actually clicking and they were winning games, they were able to run the ball pretty well. So I was just going to say, you know, this is going to be a big game for Brandon Williams, Derek Noddy to come in there and showcase what they got as run stuffers because Colin Saunders certainly isn't playing in this game. It doesn't sound like but he's firing off some hot tweets. And uh, I, I don't know if he's going to end up playing or not. So it could be a big Brandon Williams, Derek Noddy game for shutting down a Seahawks rushing attack that has not been good as of late. But, you know, when they are a balanced offense, they're a little bit more dangerous. So just a fun D-tackle game. Yeah, it's 
going to be a game that probably will feature more Travis Homer, who is their best pass protecting back, but that also doesn't say a whole lot because they're also terrible against the blitz. So like he doesn't do that good of a job. He's the best one, but he doesn't do that good of a job. My question is, does Brandon Williams get a third sack? I know the second one didn't count. Yeah. He should have. But does he get a third sack this week? You bring in Obviously. a nose as a run stuffer. I would. I. I just want this man to just accumulate them. Like after after coming in off the street, it's like, hey, we're gonna play you on rundowns, and then he's just gonna collect sacks all game long. Like th- this is great for me. This, this is great for my brand. Players to watch. You got Craig. My player to watch. <laughs> I'm just getting is just... depressed. Kent. No. Um. <laughs> my player to watch is um. Kid is gonna be down. It's gonna be. <laughs> Jalen Watson. Um, I know we just got I got done talking about MVS matching length with length. I fully expect Joshua Williams is going to start this game. He's going to be seeing some DK Metcalf. That matchup is going to be important, but Steve Spagnuolo has been inserting Jalen Watson into the lineup more and more. They've been rotating. It's not necessarily every other series, although it is for periods of time, and then it switches to one guy over the other. Jalen Watson is going to see time, and he's been coming in cold, especially on a day where it's actually cold, like it's going to be difficult. Uh, You know, it's hard to come in in those sorts of situations and play against a guy that is a freak of nature like DK Metcalf is. Steve Spagnuolo talked this week about how, and this is a quote from him, I like to go on the internet and find pictures of the guys that these are going, that these guys are going to line up against so they see what they look like. And he found the picture of DK Metcalf with his shirt off before the draft, whether he's working out with AJ Brown and all that. And he went, Oh, this guy looks like a stud. That's Steve Spagnolo, ladies and gentlemen. So Jalen Watson has to deal with that guy for, you know, maybe every other drive here. I, he's got to have a big day against a really talented wide receiver. I love that Steve Spagnolo uh, scouts the same way I do and just looks for shirtless pictures of opposing players to determine if they're studs or not. This is the, this is the, the week for him. It's scouting. the week for it, baby. <laughs> this is the secret sauce of the KC draft guide. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you can't, you know, you just go into weigh-ins. You don't need to see a practice. You just need to see guys weigh in and they're tight. So you can call it from there. Ben um, Neiman, undraftable. <laughs> <laughs> Gardner Minshew, undraftable, but he sure tries. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that one. <laughs> We so, can't go um, there. <laughs> so my player to watch is going to be, uh, I'm going to go with Nick Bolton. Um, we talked about it a little bit. I think the Seattle Seahawks are going to be a, you know, they're going to be trying to throw the ball on third and long a little bit. They're going to have to be trying to push the ball downfield, but it's that I don't think they're going to attack the sideline. They'll go over the middle of the field. The chiefs really like to keep Nick Bolton out there on passing downs. That's fine. He is their guy that does it. So we put Nick Bolton out there. We're going to see what he's like in coverage. I don't think the chiefs will be overly challenged in the run game. So I don't know if we'll get a lot there from him, but I would like to see Bolton or Willie Gay or whoever just start to show some strides in coverage. I need a line. I want linebacker to show up and make some plays in coverage. Nick Bolton's going to get the most opportunities over the middle of the field. I would like to start seeing him be a little bit more comfortable in his zone drops, getting depth under crossing routes, passing them off at the right time and not letting them go too early, not picking them up too late. I think this is something he has really struggled with this year. I think the Seahawks will really test him on those kind of horizontal breaking routes. Hey, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. If you're watching it, really appreciate it. Leave a five-star review if you can. Uh, Give me George Karloftis. Uh, the the Seahawks have two 
stud tackles uh, bookending their offensive line. They both happen to be rookies. So it's going to be some... I'm, I'm looking for a little rookie-on-rookie rookie crime here with George Karloftis. Uh, just get an opportunity uh, to you know, try to can try to finish strong. And I think it's just the edge rushers in general, if I'm being honest, I, I want to see if this edge group can muster together some, some pressure against uh, a couple of really strong tackles on both sides of the Seahawks offensive line that they got in, you know, in the same rookie class, this, this, this whole class, if you, the Seahawks nailed it as many Seahawks draft jokes as we've given this team over the course of, you know, the last few years, LJ Carlier, they have nailed this class. With Kenneth Walker, two tackles, Boye Mafe, Tariqul, and Kobe Bryant. Like, this is a very, very good group. But uh, two rookie tackles. Test them. See what happens. All right, prediction time. What we got, Craig? All right. Well, CLC Hawks have been in a little bit of an offensive slump. Stop me if you've heard this before coming against <laughs> the Chiefs defense here. Haven't scored more than 27 points over their last three games. I know that that's plenty for a lot of teams, but based on what they were putting up in some of the early season stuff, you know, 48, 32, 37, 31, they're not living up to some of the same standards that they were before. Enter the Chiefs defense, who is allowing a bunch of points to bad offenses. However, the Seahawks are going to be without Tyler Lockett, Kenneth Walker, those are two of the players that kind of make them go. DK Metcalf is going to get a ton of targets. There's going to be one guy on the field that you know you've got to cover Steve Spagnuolo, so please do it. The rest of that becomes a lot easier for this Chiefs defense to defend, and this Chiefs offense against the Seahawks defense are going to be able to move the ball. There are going to be blown coverages. There are going to be opportunities for them to run the ball. There are going to be opportunities for points to be scored. I do expect that the Seahawks are going to score – enough i think they're going to score roughly we'll call it 23 points but the chiefs are going to put up 35 in this one and win fairly comfortably in arrowhead and we can all have a very nice christmas eve where we're not stressed out about the chiefs because it'll be a game that's over early in this one we keep predicting these hey let's not stress about this game kind of games for the chiefs <laughs> they just certainly don't keep coming um it was nice to listen to Travis Kelsey's podcast in New Heights and hear him talk about how important it is to him and the team to have a game where they put it all together, to see what they are fully capable of when everything's clicking on all cylinders and how you would like to get a game like that in before the playoffs. It makes me think that they really are trying to put you know the, the pedal to the metal. They really do want to have a complete full game. They're not ready to just coast it into the playoffs and then catch the first team they play in the playoffs, you know, just be okay, now we're going to turn it on. So this seems like a game right for it. And we keep saying that. I know we keep saying it, but the Seattle Seahawks defense has not been good as of late. They really do have a lot of coverage busts. They really do leave a lot of open space. This Chiefs offense is a team that, well, if you give them open space, they are going to take it and they are going to take it away frequently. So I don't think the offense should have too much difficulty moving the ball in the Seattle Seahawks defense. And then on the flip side, like Craig said, a lot of injuries for safety net pieces for the Seahawks are kind of stacking up. Yes, DK Metcalf's probably their best offensive player, but Tyler Lockett is the safety net. He's the guy they go to when they need something. DK Metcalf's the guy they kind of use to get aggressive. Lockett's the guy they use when they really, really need something. So I think missing him, not having Kenneth Walker, maybe not getting to have Noah Fant, I think these things do kind of add up. 
That offense has been struggling a lot lately, as is, especially against teams that are a little creative, can send some pressure like the 49ers, like the Panthers. I think we might get a good one. We might get that game where the Chiefs kind of put it all together. Give me um 31 to 15. The Chiefs go ahead and take this one. I don't think it's overly close throughout the majority of it. Uh, really quick before I give my prediction, we've done 44 minutes of this show, and we haven't mentioned Patrick LeVon Mahomes' name once. Oh, man. Well, now it's going to be a close game. Kent did it. Uh, <laughs> continue. Uh, I just wanted to make sure to mention Patrick LeVon Mahomes. Can't uh, just let us get out of here. He's great. He's really, really good. He's uh, you know, he's now a runaway favorite to win the MVP award. And uh, runaway. I yes. Have you looked Jaylen at Hurts has been playing? So yes, yeah. runaway. <laughs> the Seattle Seahawks have won one game since November sixth. It is a four point victory over the Los Angeles Rams. Uh this for an action. This team is this team is trending in the wrong direction, and the Chiefs have something to play for. And I have this feeling as well, playing for the first time in Arrowhead in the month of December, that the Chiefs are going to go out and put a very good game together behind Patrick Levon Mahomes. I think he's going to go nuts. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna have a huge game. I wouldn't be stunned to see a five touchdown performance from him. In fact, I'm going to pick it. I'm going to pick zero rushing touchdowns and five passing touchdowns for Patrick LeVon Mahomes, cementing his case for the MVP in a 35 to 10 shellacking of the Seattle Seahawks. That is going to do it for the Casey Laboratory. Thank you all so much for listening. Make sure to check us out Christmas Eve live after the Chiefs bop the Seattle Seahawks. Thank you all so much, and we'll catch you later. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.